COP28 cannot yet agree on tourism and everything else. The COP28 climate negotiations exceeded their scheduled time on Tuesday as nations engaged in diplomatic efforts to bridge significant international divides regarding the handling of fossil fuels in the summit's final document. The outcome of this conference will convey a strong message to global investors and markets regarding government's determination to either eliminate the use of oil or maintain its position in the future. Numerous countries criticized the initial draft agreement released on Monday for its failure to advocate for a phase out of fossil fuels, which scientists identify as the primary contributor to greenhouse gas emissions and global warming. Despite support from over 100 countries, including the United States, the EU, and small island nations, these efforts face staunch opposition from members of the OPEC oil producer group and its allies. Saudi Arabia is opposing. Saudi Arabia has consistently opposed the inclusion of anti-fossil fuel language in the COP28 talks, according to negotiators and observers. However, it is important to note that other OPEC and OPEC Plus members, such as Iran, Iraq, and Russia, have also shown resistance towards a deal aiming to phase out fossil fuels. Many participants, including Australia, Canada, Chile, Norway, the European Union, and the United States, among the 100-strong group advocating for a strong commitment to transitioning away from coal, oil, and gas, criticized the Monday draft for being insufficiently robust. Approximately 80% of the world's energy is still generated by oil, gas, and coal, despite the significant rise of renewable energy in recent times. Africa. Certain African countries insisted that any agreement should stipulate that wealthy nations, which have a history of extensive fossil fuel production and consumption, take the lead in discontinuing their usage. The position of China, the largest contributor of greenhouse gas emissions globally, on the initial draft remained uncertain. Xie Zhenhua, China's experienced representative on climate change, acknowledged advancements in the negotiations but expressed uncertainty regarding the feasibility of reaching an agreement. Small Island Nations Death Warrant Small island nation representatives have stated their refusal to endorse any agreement that would essentially serve as a death warrant for countries most severely impacted by the escalating sea levels. From late-night huddles to early morning strategy meetings with high-ambition coalition members, I am working tirelessly to resolve the issues we are faced with. Countries must come together to ensure COP28 is a success. Canada is active in this fight for our future. The Honorable Stephen Gilbolt, Minister of Environment and Climate Change. Watch the videos. The We Don't Have Time organization provided video coverage for all days of the just-concluded COP28 discussion in Dubai, UAE. TV The Climate Hub Day 1 World Action Climate Summit TV The Climate Hub Day 2 World Action Climate Summit TV The Climate Hub Day 3 Health Relief, Recovery and Peace TV The Climate Hub Day 4 Finance trade, and gender TV The Climate Hub Day 5 Energy, Industry and Just Transition TV The Climate Hub Day 6 Cities and Transport TV The COP28 Climate Hub at American University TV The Climate Hub Day 8 Youth, Children, Education and Skills TV The Climate Hub Day 9 Nature, Land Use, and Oceans TV The Climate Hub Day 10 Food, Agriculture, and Water TV The Climate Hub Day 11 Final Negotiations Feedback by participants at the Colorado 28 Summit. One in four billionaires COP28 delegates made fortunes from polluting industries and are desperate to protect their greed. U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate John Kerry. A consultative process as it ought to.
People have listened very carefully and there's a lot of good faith on the table right now of people trying to move to a better place. A delegation from Greece's Ministry of Tourism, led by Secretary-General for Tourism Policy and Development Myron Flores and Director-General of Tourism Policy Panagiota Dionysopoulou, held discussions at a special event during COP28 to discuss ministry initiatives focused on expediting climate action. These initiatives include the establishment of the National Observatory for Sustainable Tourism and the first Mediterranean Coastal and Maritime Tourism Observatory. UNWTO Director for Europe Alessandra Priante has expressed support for Greece's plans to create the observatory, emphasizing the significance of setting and achieving sustainability targets. During COP28, Flores organized a panel discussion addressing the collaborative efforts required to achieve sustainability goals in coastal and marine tourism, while Dionysopoulou coordinated a separate panel discussion on the influence of data collection on informed decision-making for the economy, society, and the environment. The panel consisted of participants from various organizations, including Turismo de Portugal, the Tourism Ministry of Cyprus, CLIA, Cruise Lines International Association, Croatia's Institute for Tourism, the Union for the Mediterranean, and the Hellenic Center for Marine Research. The proposal for establishing a national observatory was first brought up in 2013, then in 2020, and once again this year by Greek Tourism Minister Olga Kefalojani during the parliamentary vote on a new tourism law. Greek lawmakers approved the draft bill titled Provisions to Strengthen Sustainable Tourism Development with a Majority Vote, focusing on sustainability, accessibility, value-added, and equitable distribution of tourism flows. Did COP28 make insufficient progress in tourism? COP28 cannot yet agree on tourism and everything else. The COP28 climate negotiations exceeded their scheduled time on Tuesday as nations engaged in diplomatic efforts to bridge significant international divides regarding the handling of fossil fuels in the summit's final document. The outcome of this conference will convey a strong message to global investors and markets regarding government's determination to either eliminate the use of oil or maintain its position in the future. Numerous countries criticized the initial draft agreement released on Monday for its failure to advocate for a phase out of fossil fuels, which scientists identify as the primary contributor to greenhouse gas emissions and global warming. Despite support from over 100 countries, including the United States, the EU, and small island nations. These efforts face staunch opposition from members of the OPEC oil producer group and its allies. Saudi Arabia is opposing. Saudi Arabia has consistently opposed the inclusion of anti-fossil fuel language in the COP28 talks, according to negotiators and observers. However, it is important to note that other OPEC and OPEC Plus members, such as Iran, Iraq, and Russia, have also shown resistance towards a deal aiming to phase out fossil fuels. Many participants, including Australia, Canada, Chile, Norway, the European Union, and the United States, among the 100-strong group advocating for a strong commitment to transitioning away from coal, oil, and gas, criticized the Monday draft for being insufficiently robust. Approximately 80% of the world's energy is still generated by oil, gas, and coal, despite the significant rise of renewable energy in recent times. Africa Certain African countries insisted that any agreement should stipulate that wealthy nations, which have a history of extensive fossil fuel production and consumption, take the lead in discontinuing their usage. The position of China, the largest contributor of greenhouse gas emissions globally, on the initial draft remained uncertain. 
Xie Zhenhua, China's experienced representative on climate change, acknowledged advancements in the negotiations but expressed uncertainty regarding the feasibility of reaching an agreement. Small Island Nations Death Warrant Small island nation representatives have stated their refusal to endorse any agreement that would essentially serve as a death warrant for countries most severely impacted by the escalating sea levels. From late night huddles to early morning strategy meetings with high ambition coalition members, I am working tirelessly to resolve the issues we are faced with. Countries must come together to ensure COP28 is a success. Canada is active in this fight for our future. The Honorable Stephen Gilbolt, Minister of Environment and Climate Change. Feedback by participants at the Colorado 28 Summit. One in four billionaires COP28 delegates made fortunes from polluting industries and are desperate to protect their greed. U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate John Kerry. A consultative process as it ought to. People have listened very carefully and there's a lot of good faith on the table right now of people trying to move to a better place. A delegation from Greece's Ministry of Tourism, led by Secretary General for Tourism Policy and Development Myron Flores and Director General of Tourism Policy Panagiota Dionysopoulou, held discussions at a special event during COP28 to discuss ministry initiatives focused on expediting climate action. These initiatives include the establishment of the National Observatory for Sustainable Tourism and the first Mediterranean Coastal and Maritime Tourism Observatory. UNWTO Director for Europe Alessandra Priante has expressed support for Greece's plans to create the observatory, emphasizing the significance of setting and achieving sustainability targets. During COP28, Flores organized a panel discussion addressing the collaborative efforts required to achieve sustainability goals in coastal and marine tourism, while Dionysopoulou coordinated a separate panel discussion on the influence of data collection on informed decision-making for the economy, society, and the environment. The panel consisted of participants from various organizations, including Turismo de Portugal, the Tourism Ministry of Cyprus, CLIA, Cruise Lines International Association, Croatia's Institute for Tourism, the Union for the Mediterranean, and the Hellenic Center for Marine Research. The proposal for establishing a national observatory was first brought up in 2013, then in 2020, and once again this year by Greek tourism minister Olga Kefalojani during the parliamentary vote on a new tourism law. Greek lawmakers approved the draft bill titled Provisions to Strengthen Sustainable Tourism Development with a Majority Vote, focusing on sustainability, accessibility, value-added, and equitable distribution of tourism flows. Did COP28 make insufficient progress in tourism? In the wake of a pressing need for climate action strategies, Turkey has developed a national sustainable tourism program in partnership with GSTC to certify accommodation. A delegation from the hashtag KRG, Kurdistan, Ministry of Municipalities and Tourism attended the 28th session of the UN Climate Change Conference of Parties in the UAE, COP28 and presented in a panel several projects and proposals of the KRG. Kurdistan Regional Government Joe Biden's climate envoy was John Kerry. He is in Dubai for the COP28 climate summit and his preferred mode of travel is a private jet. He has warned Britain and Germany not to return to business as usual, with fossil fuels and keep to the Paris agreements. Mountains are crucial for biodiversity and support millions of livelihoods. But climate change is having alarming impacts, with glaciers disappearing and snow cover at its lowest in decades. The 16th Focal Point Forum, held during COP28, 
highlighted that knowledge gaps are hindering adaptation efforts in mountains and high-latitude areas. Participants outlined key areas for collaboration under the Nairobi Work Program next year. Evidence-based knowledge sharing, tailored solutions, strategic partnerships, and financial support. The clock is ticking on climate change. To avert its worst impacts, we need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 43% by 2030. But current national plans fall short, projecting a 9% increase instead. How can developing countries, often lacking resources for a low-carbon transition, contribute? Article 6 of the Paris Agreement holds the key. It enables international cooperation to tackle climate change and unlock financial support for developing countries. At COP28, negotiators are focusing on refining the tools of Article 6 to create a robust and transparent global carbon market, accelerate emission reductions, and support developing nations in building resilience to climate change. To support the conclusion of the first global stocktake at COP28, the high-level champions and the Marrakesh Partnership have released a report called 2030 Climate Solutions, an Implementation Roadmap. The report contains a set of solutions, with insights from a wide range of non-party stakeholders on measures that need to be scaled up and replicated to halve global emissions, address adaptation gaps, and increase the resilience of 4 billion people by 2030. As COP28 enters the final stretch, with parties working around the clock to find common ground on decisions and outcomes, the COP president has been meeting with all countries in a format called Majlis. The Majlis, an Arabic term used to refer to a council or a special gathering, typically bringing together a community of elders, is being held at COP28 in an open-ended setting at the ministerial and head of delegation levels. The goal is to bring together all of the different decisions and outcomes to strike the right balance. The Majlis began yesterday to foster, heart-to-heart, discussions, according to the COP president. As COP28 enters the home stretch, UN Climate Change Executive Secretary made an urgent appeal this morning, calling on negotiators to deliver a highest ambition outcome. I urge negotiators to reject incrementalism, he said. Each step back from the highest ambition will cost countless millions of lives, not in the next political or economic cycle, for future leaders to deal with, but right now, across every country. We do not have a minute to lose in this crucial home stretch, and none of us have had much sleep, so I'm going to be incredibly brief in my remarks. Negotiators have a chance, right here in Dubai over the next 24 hours, to start a new chapter, one that delivers for people and the planet. The highest climate ambition means more jobs, stronger economies, stronger economic growth, less pollution, and better health. Much more resilience, protecting people in every country from the climate wolves at our doors. Secure, affordable, safe energy for all, through a renewable energy revolution that leaves no country or community behind, instead leaving our dependence on fossil fuels behind. And as I have said many times, finance must be the bedrock to scale up climate action on all fronts. Let me assure you, from our viewpoint at UN Climate Change, the highest levels of ambition are possible for both. The global stocktake needs to help all countries get out of this mess. Any strategic landmines that blow it up for one, blow it up for all. The world is watching, as are 4,000 members of the global media, and thousands of observers here in Dubai. There is nowhere to hide. One thing is for certain. I win, you lose, is a recipe for collective failure. Ultimately it is 8 billion people's security that is at stake. Science is the backbone of the Paris Agreement. 
especially when it comes to the world's temperature goals and the planetary limit of 1.5. That center must hold. On the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, it's important to remember that the climate crisis isn't just an environmental crisis, it's a human rights crisis too. Rising temperatures, extreme weather events, and rising sea levels threaten the very rights that underpin our dignity and well-being. The rights to food, water and sanitation, adequate housing, health, development, and even life itself are all at risk. Anu Chaudhry, partner and global head, ESG practice, Unique Consultech said. The last thematic day at COP28 today focuses on food, agriculture, and water. No other COP summit in history has put this under the scanner before. As a result, 152 countries have now signed the UAE Declaration for Food Systems, Agriculture, and Climate Action. This means that collectively we can reach out to 5.9 billion people, 518 million farmers, 73% of all the food we eat, and 78% of greenhouse gas emissions from the food and agriculture sector. To achieve anything meaningful, governments must work on their commitments to taking the right innovation and technologies to farmers. The Dairy Methane Alliance announced at COP28 by six of the largest global food companies is a testament to the role the private sector will be called upon to play. Hopefully, when the world reconvenes at COP29 next year, we will have enough successful use cases of attaining climate action in this extremely vital sector. Rights-based climate action is essential to ensure that all climate policies and decisions are informed by and uphold human rights principles. Civil society, indigenous peoples, and youth, among others, have engaged in advocacy actions during COP28 with calls for climate ambition and action to be rooted in respect for human rights. Nature, land, and the ocean provide food and water and support all life on Earth. They also play a crucial role in regulating the climate. A series of youth-led side events, workshops, and interactive sessions geared specifically towards youth take place during COP28. Urban areas are major contributors to climate change, accounting for 71 to 76 percent of CO2 emissions from global final energy use. And in 2050, there may be three to four times as many passenger kilometers traveled as in the year 2000. Unhabitat. On urbanization and transport day at COP28, focused on sustainable solutions for healthier, more vibrant, and less polluted cities for all. Indigenous peoples play a key role in finding climate solutions. Faced with adaptation challenges for centuries, they have developed strategies for resilience in changing environments that can strengthen current and future adaptation efforts. Indigenous peoples are on the front lines of the climate crisis. They are well placed to lead just transitions based on their time-honored values, knowledge, and world views, said UN Climate Change Executive Secretary Simon Steele. The roundtable with indigenous youth and youth from local communities presented recommendations on the meaningful participation of indigenous peoples in climate policies and action. Climate change disproportionately impacts vulnerable populations, especially women in poverty due to their reliance on natural resources and limited access to decision-making. Despite challenges, women are responding to climate change through their expert knowledge and leadership on sustainability. COP28's Gender Day is focusing on ensuring inclusive policies for a just transition that recognizes women's crucial role in fostering resilient communities and effective climate action, emphasizing the need to improve the gender responsiveness of climate resources and finance.